Which is more difficult to complete, marriage or divorce? That is the question we're going to be pondering together today on this podcast episode. Welcome back to Heart in a Drawer, the podcast for adult children of divorce. I'm your host, Sarah Geringer. I got the idea for today's podcast topic from a Facebook post one of my friends shared, and I thought it would make a great topic for us to think about. I have not covered this topic really um, at all on this podcast, and I think some of you listening probably are afraid to get married because of what has happened to you, either as a child of divorce or perhaps because you are divorced now and you're afraid to try again. So this is kind of the angle that I am going to use when speaking about this topic. And I was just mulling over it while I was cleaning my house this past weekend And I realized there were just so many angles that I could discuss with you. And before I get started, I just want to say specifically to this topic, each marriage, each relationship is so nuanced. I could not possibly cover every angle. And I am a Christian writer and speaker, but I'm not a professional counselor. So if you want answers for your particular situation, I definitely recommend that you seek professional help like I did for many, many years. And that can give you the customized answers that you need. I want you to listen to this today as just maybe a big sister perspective for you to consider because When I was going through problems in my past, what I longed for was just someone else's story who was further along than I was, a real live person. And that's really why I created this podcast in the first place, because I wanted to speak to you like meeting a friend or maybe a mentor over coffee or in my case, tea, because I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, And just sitting at Panera or Starbucks and talking about these heart issues together. Okay, so let's get into the topic, which is more difficult to complete marriage or divorce. Okay, so if you're just being technical, you know, divorce itself is just passing some documents through. Uh, It's meeting with attorneys and then the attorney puts it into the court docket and the judge approves it and it can take many months to arrive at an agreement. My divorce took 37 days and I haven't actually heard anyone else have a faster process than that. It was an uncontested divorce. I'm sure there are faster cases out there, but that one was pretty darn fast. So that's just the technical aspect. And honestly, I didn't know about that until my own divorce 
proceedings went into play. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I often compare the fallout of a divorce to a nuclear bomb explosion. And I really don't do that to be melodramatic. I do it because radioactive material lives in the soil for many, many decades after a nuclear bomb goes off. That's what a divorce does in a family. Whether it is amicable, which I feel like that is in the minority of divorces, or a contentious divorce, which I feel like that's the majority, I believe that the half-life of divorce, it just continues on and on and on. Really, it can carry even into the next generation because it affects your children, your grandchildren. Talking from the other angle, from the marriage perspective, I have talked about my marriage being a very difficult one. I've written about this extensively on my blog. My marriage was plagued by addiction and emotional abuse all 21 years of it. So I had a much more difficult marriage than probably the average person. But I have been involved in small group ministry for a long time at my church. So I've talked with many other women some men in that group setting about marriage difficulties that run more along the average spectrum. And the consensus is marriage is hard. Marriage is really hard. Even when things are going pretty well, even when people are in love, even when they're goodwilled toward each other, marriage is still very difficult. And it makes me sad that the American culture really doesn't support marriage anymore. And even really right after my divorce, I did an episode called Why I Still Believe in Marriage, and I I always will. And it's because marriage is designed by God. It's a high and holy creation. It reflects the love in the relationship that God has between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And more than anything else, I feel like marriage is the very best place to strip you of your selfishness. You cannot hide from it. And Jesus said, if anyone really wants to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. And one thing that my pastor said In one of his recent sermons, he said, don't let anybody fool you. That path of carrying your cross, nobody carries a cross anywhere except to the destination of death. And he didn't mean that in a negative way. He was talking about dying to self. And that is what the Christian life is about. And I mean, I remember becoming a mother and how your whole schedule revolves around a newborn baby and you have to get up and you have to lose sleep. I was hurting because I was a nursing mother. That was painful at first. And just making all of your daily activities revolve around the baby's naps and feeding schedule. And this this continues into their toddler years. That was painful, but there's just something different, I think, about the parent-child relationship versus the spousal relationship because your child is a part of you and your spouse is always somewhat separate from you, even though, of course, Jesus said, 
and I completely agree with this, the two shall become one in your one flesh, the natural human tendency is to move away from one another, especially in times of conflict. And I think this is almost a daily battle that you have to face as a married person. I believe that I face that myself. And I believe I would have faced it if I had been in a healthier marriage, in a stronger marriage. I still would have faced that struggle. So if you are considering getting married and you're not willing to die to yourself every day and put your spouse first above everything else except for your relationship with God, you're probably not ready to get married. And I know that's a strong statement, but... I can look back over the 21 years that I was married and I can say that's absolutely true. And I would be happy to tell my teens that. I think they have picked up on that attitude just because I've been their mom and they've seen how I was as a wife. But I'm just saying like moving forward in their serious relationships that's something I'm going to be reminding them of, that they have to put their other person first. That person has to be first in their life, even before me as their mom. I've already had that conversation with my oldest son. I, I said, you've got to pick her now above everybody else about his wonderful girlfriend. And I'm, I'm so glad that both of my sons have just wonderful girlfriends, but they still have to learn how to die to self and put each other first, even in these good relationships that they have. What I would say to answer that question, which one is more difficult to complete? I would say it has to be divorce. I have only known a handful of people whose parents had an amicable divorce. I remember one lady I was in small group with years ago, and her parents still got together for Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I, that was a world I could not possibly imagine compared to the one where I grew up. And I just feel like that was definitely the minority. And when I talked about this with other ladies in my small group settings, almost all of them said, oh no, you know, my, my parents can hardly stand to be in the same room with each other. And as I was getting ready to make this episode, I was reflecting back on a memory I have, and I think I was probably eight or nine years old, and it was Easter. I remember this, it was Easter Sunday, and I remember being at my grandparents' house, my, my paternal grandparents, and Actually, I lived in the finished basement for a while with them, so I was very close to them, so we had Easter at their house, and I remember my dad showing up, and he was separated at the time. And again, I'm telling this story because this is my perspective. This is not about my family members. It's not their story. I'm just sharing from my perspective of how I process this moment. I remember sitting down on the couch and he gave me like a dozen dyed eggs and he said there was going to be like a split and I'm, I'm trying to protect privacy as I'm telling this story and I remember starting to cry and I didn't know why and he was puzzled by that because it wasn't a positive relationship and he thought in my recollection he said I thought you would be glad to hear this news and I was 
uncontrollably crying, not loudly sobbing, but just crying. And filtering that now through my thoughts, which I couldn't really name as an eight or nine-year-old, I can name those now. I think it's because I knew how much chaos had come into my world when he divorced my mom when I was four. And I just knew there was going to be so much more chaos again if if this happened. And it didn't happen at that time. They got back together. And I remember consciously thinking at that time, as hard as this situation is, I still don't want them really to get divorced. And I, I couldn't put my finger on why at the time, but I, I know now it's because of that chaos, that disruption, and that nuclear fallout that was bound to happen. And so I think from the perspective of a child of divorce, an adult child of divorce, that the divorce is so much harder to complete because of all the fallout that occurs. Of course, we know this in our own hearts and minds, the trauma that it causes us, the way it affects every holiday, every birthday. It creates this pressure on, okay, I have to make sure I don't say these things to this parent, and then I have to not say these things to this parent because you have to keep these separate compartments in your mind and heart, and that takes a lot of emotional energy to do. I know that's difficult because you don't want to upset either parent. You don't want to trigger either parent. You don't want to be the one who causes any more chaos between the parents, and that can be a lot of pressure to face. And then from my perspective now, as someone who is divorced, It makes me really think about, I would never want my kids to go through this again, you know? And I've known quite a few other friends who remarried after a divorce and then it didn't go well. I I think that the failure rate for second marriages is like 60 plus percent. And that's scary, right? But the reason has to be because you haven't learned from the first time. If you weren't the one who sought the divorce or caused the problem that ended the marriage, right? You still have to work on things like betrayal trauma, codependency, people pleasing. Maybe you have an anxious attachment style like I do. I've done episodes on that. You've got to work on that. You've got to work on your trust issues You've got to work on all kinds of things like, am I willing to share parenting responsibilities with someone? Like, it's just super complicated. I remember listening to some podcasts that Family Life Today has done on this, which they have an excellent, excellent whole branch of their ministry is devoted to helping blended families. And they just talk about the complexity of marriage after divorce, like a second marriage, compared to like your first marriage and just how many more complexities are involved, even when everything goes right. So it takes a long time to heal. It takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of talking with 
therapists and counselors, pastors to get through that and heal from divorce as the divorce person. So I think it's just so much more complex. So I think that for me, the answer to this question is divorce is just way more difficult to complete. And I really think that a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, that's still going to be my answer no matter what happens to me in that time span, that's still going to be my answer. I just hope that this podcast has stirred some of your own thoughts about this question and what this means to you in your situation. One of the things that I want to close with is I went through a video course that was hosted by Gary Thomas years ago about marriage. And he was saying that these longitudinal studies have been tracking marriages over 30 plus years. And what they have found is that for most marriages that are not plagued by things like abuse or addiction, most of them are significantly happier in five years. If they stick it out and they get through the life season that they're in that can be challenging and they invite help into that space through mentors, through small groups, through counseling, meeting with a pastor, all those things. They can really improve their situations. And he said, the greatest happiness actually happens after the 20 year mark. And that's often because The children are out of the house, and so you kind of have that second honeymoon. So I was very encouraged by that kind of information years ago, even though it didn't play out in my marriage. I still feel like it's very solid evidence. I love research-backed evidence that marriage is good, and it works if you can hang in there, work on your issues, live out what the Bible says, which is in Ephesians, it talks about husbands need to give themselves up for their wives like Christ did for the church. And I think that's just as true for wives. Wives need to give themselves up as Christ did for the church as well. We need to be deferring to one another in agape love in a marriage relationship, that's when things are going to work out. And that's when marriage actually works. So if you're willing to do that, you have a really good chance that marriage will be easier to complete than just taking the shortcut and getting a divorce. A lot of divorces happen for reasons that really, if people would work on things more, they probably could put it back together. Now, that didn't happen in my case, but it could happen in yours. So again, I encourage you to go to that link that I share in every single episode to get that free one-time counseling call from Focus on the Family, and then they'll refer you to a Christian counselor in your area. I did that years ago, and though it didn't save my marriage, it made me much more self-aware person, a much more spiritually and emotionally healthy person. And I can take that into any relationship I have with my kids, with friends, any kind of relationship. It made me a better person, a healthier and stronger person. And so I hope that you will do that for yourself 
And if you're married, that you will also do that for your spouse. If your spouse doesn't want to go to counseling, you can get counseling for yourself. I did that myself. That was a really good move that I made. So I hope this really gets you thinking about your own situation. Use the contact page that I include in the show notes to just get in touch with me and share your thoughts about how this episode stirred up something new in your own personal story. I would love to hear from you and pray for you about what God is doing in your life. Let's close this episode out with a prayer today. Father God, I thank you for the gift of marriage, how it reflects your love for us, how it's a beautiful expression of intimacy, the kind of intimacy that you want with us and reflected in bonds between a man and a woman. And Lord, I know that many of us struggle in our marriages because dying to self is so hard, but I pray, Lord, that the one who is listening will follow your example, Jesus, of dying to self for the sake of others. And I pray that you will strengthen their relationships. Also, Lord, we know that your word says that you hate divorce, not because you hate divorced people or divorced families, but you hate the long-term widespread damage that divorce does in families. And yet we also know that you are our healer, Lord. We can come to you for healing as adult children of divorce. We can come to you for healing if we are divorced ourselves. And you can heal us in the deepest places so that we're ready for new beginnings. And I pray for the one listening that they will experience help and insight from you in any blind spots or hidden areas. And I pray that they would seek helping from a qualified counselor or pastor or mentor. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining me. And I pray God's peace and blessings on you until we meet again.